Magna Carta Bill of Rights The Constitution, what's it worth? You know they're gonna grind us down Until it really hurts Is this a sovereign nation? Or just a police state? Well, that is the question, isn't it? As we enter a new year, welcome to the very first edition, the first episode of Stand and Deliver in the calendar year 2023. As we head into the new year, are we a sovereign nation or are we doomed to be a police state? That was the question in the song by Eric Clapton. And uh, welcome to Stand and Deliver, Citizens for Free Speech podcast. I'm Bob France, the National Communications Director for CFFS, and joined as always by the boss, the godfather, the OG of Citizens for Free Speech, our director, Patrick Wood. Hey, Patrick, Happy New Year. That would be me. Thank you. Happy New Year to every one of our listeners, too. I want to say that it takes a Brit to call it a police state. We, this, this sticks in your mind, right? If anybody ever wondered, you know, kind of what's going on, it's not it's not enough really just to say, yeah, it's a police state, right? But it's a police, police, police whatever. Police state. No, yeah. it's a police state. People, <laughs> you know, this is where we're headed. And it well, takes somebody from across the pond to look over here and say, do we have a constitution or what? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great question. And uh, we've yeah. got some stories for episode number one of the calendar year, 2023. We're pushing up by the way. I don't have the exact number in front of me. We're pushing up on a calendar year of, of episodes that we have done. Uh, but as we get started today, we're going to really question that. Are we a free state? Are we a free nation? Do we have a bill of rights in the first amendment protecting what we say and what we do, or do we not? And, uh, Patrick, as we get started with our first one, we're going to go out to crazy town or, or otherwise known as California, or some like to call it California. I don't want to denigrate an entire state. We have a lot yeah. of great great patriots yeah. who love liberty who love the first amendment in california and i feel bad for those folks but the way that state is governed mm -hmm. is why it has the the kind of the moniker that it does of being california and uh our first story patrick which you can tell us really calls into question oh. are we a police state or are we a free state um and this one has to do with something that is probably more important than anything else i guess for any american and that is our health right Yes, it, this is a huge story. This is the hugest story probably in the whole country for this quarter, at least. And there's going to be a mother of all battles emerge from this. The one, one profession you probably ought to think about going into right this minute is the medical profession. If you're about to become a doctor and you're ready to apply the medical board for your license to practice medicine in California, if you are an honest doctor sworn to quote unquote, do no harm, you might want to maybe go to Arizona or Texas to practice medicine for a while before you go back to California. And here's why we talked about a bill that was passed in California last year, signed by the governor, governor Newsom. It was AB 2098. And the gist of that bill was, that doctors who buck the, the trend, that is the institutionalized trend about talking about the, the narrative, talking about ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, how to treat early COVID so you don't have to go to the hospital, those sorts of things that many doctors were doing. If you cross that line and talk about those things, doc, 
your medical license now, as of January, whatever, the first day of business, can be summarily and arbitrarily revoked, period. All it takes is a patient ratting on you or two. Oh, or, or, a colleague, or a oh, colleague. Oh, he talked to me about ivermectin. Ooh, evil, evil doctor. The medical board can just say, hey, doc, you're out of business. You can't practice medicine anymore in California. Now, this is not just like being shadow banned on Facebook. This is not like having your account canceled on Twitter, as many doctors did. This is cruel and unusual punishment to deny a highly trained professional the right to earn a living with his chosen, chosen profession. It's inconceivable what they have done. And not only is this a violation of the doctors themselves, which it truly, truly is, but the entire medical culture will change in California so that you, the patient, when you go to the doctor and say, Doc, I think I might have COVID or I tested positive for COVID. What can I do to stay out of the hospital? I don't want to go to the hospital. Can I get, you know, I want to get well soon now at home. That doc is going to think two or three times before he brings up the topic of something like ivermectin or zinc or vitamin D or any other thing to treat you with early treatment because his medical license is on the line immediately. That's right. So that means that all patients, all patients in California are having their free speech denied because now they cannot hear what they want to hear. Let's um let's talk about a couple of elements. First of all, this isn't specific to COVID. No. Uh, AB AB two zero nine eight says doctors can lose their medical licenses for disagreeing with the, whatever the state consensus is, the state's medical consensus on a particular topic. Now, the main one that made them write this bill is, yes, is COVID-19 and treatment of COVID-19. And of course, the arguments over, as you say, hydroxychloroquine, you know, ivermectin and so on and so forth. But, you know, if they have the permission by way of this new bill, which has now been signed at all, which took effect January 1st, uh, that, that if you uh, if you cannot say something that is in contravention or is in conflict with what the state's consensus consensus opinion is on COVID, then they can really do that about any um, uh, medical condition or calamity or health emergency in particular uh, that comes down the line. And that means doctors are no longer free to be doctors. Doctors are no longer free to put their experience and education to work to diagnose your condition and make what his he or she believes to be the right prescription, the right course of treatment for you on their own for fear of literally, as you say, losing their license. Now, I want to read before I give an example from the office of the governor, Gavin Newsom. Uh, to the California State Assembly, this is from September, uh, when the bill was first proposed and why Newsom says he supports it. Assembly Bill 2098 provides that the dissemination of misinformation, and Patrick, I could just stop right there, misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19 by physicians and surgeons to a patient under, the direct, under their direct care constitutes unprofessional conduct. Who gets to decide what is misinformation? And what is disinformation? Why does one doctor's license 
mean more than another doctor's license? Why does one doctor's experience as an epidemiologist, like, for example, Stanford uh, professor uh, Jay Bhattacharya, why, why is his 30 years of experience in epidemiology, which is the spread of infectious disease, why is, if he gives a, a, a medical opinion to a patient, is his license revoked because somebody else who may not have anywhere near the experience in infectious disease spread as he does, says that, no, 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 we disagree. This is what we think. Our consensus rules that guy and all of his medical experience is out the window. Newsom says, I'm signing this bill because it narrow it is narrowly tailored to apply only to those egregious instances in which a licensee is acting with malicious intent or clearly deviating from the required standard of care while interacting directly with a patient under their care. All right, I'm going to stop there just to, to make the point that I want to make, and then you can follow up, Patrick. When I say that the doctors are not allowed to be doctors anymore in California, and you say that patients are having their rights stripped away from them too because they can't get doctors' medical opinions, they're only going to be able to get whatever the consensus is from some small group of doctors in Sacramento, presumably, in California, the capital, um, what they have to say, um, I, I would ask you, Patrick, have you ever done this with a medical condition, condition that you've had or your wife has had or a family member or friends have had where you go to the doctor and say, my chest hurts. This is a problem. My back hurts. I'm having a serious pain here, there or whatever. And the doctor looks at you and puts to work his experience, his education, his scientific research, his examination of you, making a diagnosis and then giving you a, a, a prescribed course of treatment. And you say, wow, that's a pretty, pretty strong treatment that you're advising there. Maybe it's a lot of, a lot of drugs. It's a lot of medication. I'd like to get a second opinion. I don't know if you've ever done it. If you know anybody who goes to another doctor for the same condition and says, what do you think? And maybe the diagnosis is the same as the first guy, but maybe it's different. Maybe their experience is different. Maybe they have a better idea for treatment, one that won't involve so many drugs. Maybe one that'll be more holistic in approach, and it may be more therapeutic, whatever. <clears throat> the point being, if you can't get different diagnoses and different courses of treatment prescribed, different opinions from doctors with different experiences, then you are losing your opportunity to seek the best possible care there can be. If all of the doctors have to give the same answer, no matter what the condition is, because of consensus, mm -hmm. and if the consensus isn't what you are speaking to, you lose your license, then, then doctors can't be doctors anymore and patients can't get the kind of care that they choose. They are forced yeah. to listen to just one message, one course of treatment as, this, as decided by some cabal of experts who thinks they know more than every other doctor. That's right. That's right. And we, and by the way, we have to expect there's going to be lawsuits over this. Oh yeah. There have to be, because I don't think the medical profession can afford to go along with, with this. So that's going to be for a future update. Well, there, there, already we're be, one. there already we're going to be watching. Yeah. yeah, you, 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 the, 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 uh, the law was challenged in court already by two California doctors who said it would restrict the free speech, their free speech in violation of the First Amendment, and that it was vague under the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. However, just about a week ago, December 28th, Biden nominee Judge Fred Slaughter refused to halt the law, ruling that the law trumps free speech claims and that it falls within the longstanding tradition of regulations on the practice of medical treatments. 
you know, and regulations like that mean that you can't do like witch doctor stuff. You can't sacrifice an animal in the middle of a, a doctor's office to say, this is going to heal you and, uh, you know, do any goofy stuff like that. This yeah. is actual medicine, but this, uh, yes. this lawsuit was, uh, <clears throat> you know, was defeated. So yes. I don't know where it goes from there. That's right. This changes medicine in California. That's the bottom line and accept that it's going to be fought. I said at the beginning of this, it's going to be the mother of all wars to determine the fate of medicine in California. And I tell you, all citizens need to be involved in this one way or another. But just imagine imagine a mother who put a son through medical, co medical school. The guy's now practicing medicine. She goes and visits his son and his practice is a patient. And she has some early signs of something and she needs some treatment. She says, son, I want you to use your best judgment Everything you learn in school and from mentoring and all the other stuff you, you know, talk to Uncle Sid or whatever, you know, he's a doctor too. I want you to give me a treatment that will save my life. And the son says to his mother, Mom, I can't tell, I can't do that. Because if I tell you the truth, I'll lose my medical license and I'll be at home living with you again in the basement. That's it. That's the bottom line of this whole thing. Just imagine that. Boy, if that, that doesn't bring it home, if that doesn't bring it home, that's exactly right. That's a great story. Yes. And it's a terrible situation, a terrible hypothetical, but you're right. A fan, it doesn't even have to be a mom and a son, but a family member, a trusted friend, you know, who's been going to you for years. And this is what's going on here. And what's the best way to treatment? Well, uh, the best way to treatment treat it is, with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine it's unbelievable you're going to feel better in just a few days here but you can't tell anybody i told you that and i can't write the prescription so good luck finding it anyway because if you tell anybody and if i actually write the prescription they're going to take my medical license away and i can't be a doctor anymore i mean i'm what country is that find a justification yep. find a defense for that mm -hmm. in the first amendment uh, I, I i just can't uh, but you're right, Patrick, it's going to result yeah. in multiple lawsuits. Uh, God willing, um, I hope there are thousands of doctors in California who push back against this insanity. Because um, you know what, Patrick, I, I used the example a few moments ago. There are some of the best doctors in the world in California at places like Stanford, not just Stanford, but, yes. but you know, pretty oh, renowned. UCLA. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons right. of hospitals, great world-class hospitals. And, and many of them um, just don't buy into this. Dr. Fauci, CDC, hey, take these jabs. They're safe and effective. Don't take those things. That's like horse dewormer. Uh, you know, they they know for a fact what the what the reality is of these things. And they're literally going to not just be silenced, as you say, on social media, because all of them had their accounts canceled by, by social media because nobody wanted to hear what these doctors had to say. Um, but like you said, now they can literally lose their medical license. Have to go to another state and try to get licensed yes. and practice in another yes. practice in another state, and the only people that that hurts, of course, are the patients who would be going right. to these people and right. and looking for looking for good honest care. It's uh, right, and it's and I know by the way that there's approximately 150,000 medical licenses currently issued in California. Just to give you an idea of the magnitude of people we're talking about, it's a large right. group of people, yeah. and those 150,000 odd uh, physicians serve however many millions of you know population in California. Now there's other, there's paramedics maybe that are registered too, and there might be some other naturopaths and stuff like that in the state too, and you know chiropractors or whatever. But uh, this is a sea change. The battle is on. All I can say is the battle is on.
And, and, and uh, what you just said means 150,000 people are going to all, all have to see everything the same yes. way. They'll be fighting They're for their lives. They're all going to have to agree and say, this is the yeah. only thing that we will prescribe for this particular condition that comes in. No That's matter right. what, no matter what our experience or what our, our, our medical knowledge yes. tells us, we yes. all have to say the same thing. And you know what, Patrick, what if, if, if 5%, if 10% of those doctors say, I'm going to do what the Hippocratic oath that I took tells me to do, which is do no harm. I'm going to do what I think is right by my patients. That's 15,000 doctors yes. that would lose their licenses. And again, what would that do to the glut of, 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 uh, you know, at doctor's offices, health centers, medical clinics yep. all over the state, because they're not <laughs> yep. going to have enough providers to treat all of the people who need to that, be seen. That's right. So and I have to say, from this. that's right. I have to say there's already a health crisis. If people haven't figured that out in that doctors, nurses, and, and all other, you know, professional, technical professionals have left the field already. They're, they've been driven out of business for any number of reasons, or they just threw up their hands and say, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm, I'm going to do early retirement or something. And so hospitals and, you know, clinics are already stressed to the max. This is going to push a lot of them over the edge. Totally. It's just going to turn California health system into something that looks like a third world country. Yeah. No question so, about so it. anyway, yeah, I know we kind of beat the horse so, to death here, but I just, just to go back to what, um, what Eric Clapton said in our intro music, police state can't stand. Yep. And, and at least in California, yes. if not for the entire state of the United States, but in yes. that particular state, yeah, it is, it is becoming a police right. state. Rally Patrick, California. Before we, um, before we get on to our next topic, and we do have a couple of other doozies here, uh, we got a couple of announcements to make for uh, CFFS. What do you got? Well, we do. And the first thing here is, let's see, this is really good. We are going to have a meet and greet coming up soon. That means that's a virtual meet and greet. We don't expect people to fly in, whatever. But we have a lot of new members that have come in in the last two or three months, uh, signed up. It doesn't cost anything to sign up. But um, we decided to have a, um, a virtual meet and greet where you can come and learn something about citizens for, citizens for free speech, meet some other people, other members, meet the director, meet our uh, deputy director, Kimberly Miller. And this is going to be held on January 6th. That is Thursday, January 26th, excuse me, uh, at 10 a.m. Pacific, which also is 1 p.m. Eastern. There's three hours difference still between the, the coasts. Uh, but if you can remember 1 p.m. Eastern, you'll be fine. But you can register to attend the meet and greet at citizensforfreespeech.org. And you will see a link on the homepage to go to just RSVP and say, yeah, I'd like to come to the meet and greet. Link will be sent out to you and you can just uh, come in, visit with us, uh, say what's on your mind. Tell us what's going on in your community. Maybe you know some stuff that uh, other people are doing, whatever. Get in the stream of things and find out how you can be a defender of free speech. We are a nation of defenders. We decided that a long time ago, Yep. but we need more recruits and stuff to, to be good defenders of the first amendment and free speech. So you're encouraged to come and you're going to learn a lot of things. We'll learn about uh, seven ways you can be a free speech defender. Uh, you learn about some upcoming other events that we have going on with CFFS, some new initiatives that we got going for just uh, 2023. And um, also how to access all the tools, all the CFFS tools and stuff and resources that we have. We have a bunch of stuff available for our members to, you know, to learn, to use, to, to apply and whatever. 
It's really good stuff. So if you want to come to the meet and greet, just go to citizensforfreespeech.org and click on the link RSVP and we'll send you the invitation and we'll see you there. Yeah, good stuff. And there are a lot of tools, by the way, that you need, you need to learn that we have that can really, really help uh, help us defend free speech going into 2023. And if you are unsure as to how badly we need it, this next story should lay it out for you. This is literally just from less than a week ago, right before the last Congress ended, the lame duck session. Uh, one of the more, one of the 100 most powerful people in the world, and that's what I call the United States Senate. I mean, outside of the president and, and the vice president, the 100 members of the upper chamber uh, in the United States Congress, the Senate, is the, the most powerful people in the world. One of them says that the First Amendment can just be shredded right now if you use a speech that somebody else finds to be hateful. Ben Cardin from Maryland declared on the Senate floor that hate speech isn't protected under the First Amendment, citing draconian European Union laws against speech as justification for uh, a domestic crackdown here in the United States. Cardin said, and I quote, if you espouse hate, if you espouse violence, you're not protected under the First Amendment. I think we can be more aggressive in the way that we handle that type of use of the internet. Now, Patrick, before you respond to that, I mean, it's it should go without saying. There are two different things that he said there. Espousing violence against someone, trying to incite violence against someone, is very, very different than uh, 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 espousing hate. Because hate, of course, violence is physical violence. And if you try to instruct somebody, hey, let's go burn that down, hey, let's go beat them up, et cetera, that's very, very different than I don't like you. I don't like what you stand for or whatever else somebody might term to be. Hey, that was hateful. Um, the last I checked, Patrick, that was kind of the reason that the founders gave us the First Amendment is to protect speech that other people don't like, in particular the government, but to protect speech that other people find to be objectionable and offensive. We can't punish people for saying things that other people don't like. If people only said things that everybody else liked, we wouldn't have a need for the First Amendment. If everybody just said, you know, wonderfully colorful, flowery type things, we wouldn't need this. But it's very much there so that if somebody says something that somebody else finds hateful or disagreeable or mildly offensive and they want them to stop saying it so it doesn't offend their delicate ears, that's why the First Amendment says no, little lady, or no, person. Um you can't do that. The First Amendment says he can say or she can say anything that they want to say, and it's up to you to decide how you deal with being offended, including getting up and removing yourself from the premises, or in the case of online, not visiting that page anymore, muting or blocking that particular user. Uh, this is an amazing thing, pa uh, Patrick, that a United States senator says that the First Amendment doesn't actually defend speech that somebody else finds objectionable. Bob, this is just incredulous that anybody of the sort of elected representative in our country who swears to uphold and defend the constitution would make a statement like this. It's just incredible. I, you, unbelievable that hate speech, whatever they define hate speech as it could be anything. I mean, right. Yeah. Anything they don't like basically that it's not protected under the first amendment. That would shatter the First Amendment, destroy it completely.
there would be no more First Amendment. There would only be somebody saying hate speech, hate speech, hate speech. You did it again, hate speech. And in the case of California, the story from before, in the case of California, when hate speech is deemed to be you telling your patients a certain thing that might save their lives, you could possibly even lose your livelihood along with that. So the punishment would come right behind whatever, you know, this is, seems to be the mentality here. The punishment would come right behind. If you're guilty of hate speech, forget, forget your defense in the First Amendment. We will now move directly to punishment. That's exactly right. And by the way, Ben Cardin, the, the senator we were talking about who made the statement, immediately caught flack, as you can imagine, for, for oh, having stated yes. this. So he tried to clarify as part of a big, long letter about other things to um, his constituents in Maryland. His letter was called Clear and Present Danger and about eight or nine paragraphs in. Here's what Ben Cardin said that clarifies, quote, but what about the First Amendment? Although the First Amendment protects even hateful speech, see that? There's the walk back. Yes. Although for the First Amendment protects even hateful speech, if that speech motivates someone to commit a crime, engage in violence, or take action that infringes on someone else's right, that speech is not protected under the First Amendment, and there must be accountability, end quote. And Patrick, even there, um, he's, he's wrong. I mean, to the extent that it is a very gray area. If that speech, quote unquote, motivates someone to commit a crime, what does that mean? Does that mean if a politician or leader says, like President Trump did, we need to fight these people, uh -huh. we need to fight for our rights, and hmm. somebody goes out there and commits a violent act, do they get to then say, hey, you said fight, they went and threw punches or, or threw worse you know, weapons or whatever, they went to fight and you told them to. That's not going to stand up either. The First Amendment allows us to say things that, you know, do not get revoked because somebody else takes them in a, in a manner unintended and goes yes. out there and commits a criminal act. Yes. Basically, he is calling party number one a criminal. He's yes. making a criminal. He's making him a criminal, even though they two people don't even know each other. If person A says something that motivates person B to go out and do something evil, Person A is complicit with person B and vice versa. Therefore, they're both criminal. So this is one step away from completely criminalizing free speech. Well, you, you want another example, Patrick? Literally d directly related to this, although it's not Maryland, it's, it's in Virginia, same neighborhood anyway. Yes. But down in Loudoun County, Virginia, which has become, you know, kind of ground zero for parents' rights, pushing back at school board meetings and so forth about what their kids are being taught. Well, uh, a petition that was signed by several hundred county residents and started by a Loudoun County resident and a member of the LGBTQ community there called to ban hate speech in Loudoun County school board meetings. Now, Patrick, um, is there any more hateful sounding book in the world that you can think of other than the Bible? Because that's what they have determined is hate speech. Yes. Now think about this. They called to ban hate speech in Loudoun County school board meetings after a man called homosexual homosexuality, quote, immoral. Ooh, that's hateful. And quoted a violent Bible verse. 
during the public comment period at the December 13th board meeting. Parents present at the meeting and seeking accountability from the school board found the district failed to alert the community of multiple sexual assaults within the district, uh, told the news uh, press that one comment is not representative of their efforts and that their demands have nothing to do with LGBTQ community, et cetera. The point being here is that they, uh, the school board decided to ban quote unquote hate speech from school board meetings because of this incident. But the question becomes, and the same thing with California, who decides what is disinformation and misinformation about medicine? Who decides whether or not a Bible verse is hate speech? That's that's the problem here. That's why the First Amendment exists. That's right. And again, whoever does decide, Bob, and we know it's typically going to be some unelected, unaccountable technocrat or bureaucrat. Once it's decided, this is is the way the thing is set up. I'm not making this up. Once it's decided that you are an offender, we move directly to punishment phase. Yeah. We move directly to punishment. Yeah. And the how, punishment, do you de- how do you defend yourself? How do you challenge it? Well, this is this is a problem. You 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 might find a way to challenge it somehow. Maybe move it over into a court and get some relief there. But the point is, the way they're setting us up, the the de facto path to take is first the charge, then the punishment. Period. That's it. Judge, jury, and execution right there on the spot. They will set up pre-described or pre-created whatever punishments. When you violate the rules, you'll be banned from Facebook or whatever, like they do on Facebook, right? Right. No recourse, no way to appeal it. Don't bother calling your attorney. They're just gonna say, man, I I try to call those people all the time, they won't talk to me. So this is the way it's being set up all across the country. First, the charge, then the punishment with no due recourse in law initially at all. And in some cases, it could cost you your livelihood. Yep, exactly right. And in, in a case like the one we're talking about in, in Loudoun County, it would cost parents uh, their ability to have input mm-hmm. and to seek yeah. uh, to you know be a part of the educational process with their children, children that far too many in the educational yeah. system, particularly the rabid left-wing radical teachers unions they think they're their children and not parents children and that's that's where it is hey patrick we're running up on the end of this particular episode our first of 2023 i've got one more announcement for people to make training is one of the most important things that we do at citizens for free speech training people to learn how to talk to other people or to talk uh, talk to groups how to really be an activist an effective one to keep civil discourse while making very important points and we're on a mission to train hundreds of grassroots leaders and activists across the country this year. So here's what we've got for you. We want you to get you. Uh, we want to bring you this foundational training. You need to be a civil and confident leader in your community, starting with Citizen Ninja Training Part One: The Basics. It's coming up uh, online. Uh, And it's live with Mary Baker, who is the author of the original Citizen Ninja book about being an activist and being a civil warrior uh, for whatever it is that your cause is. So Citizen Ninja Training Part 1, live with Mary Baker. She'll be there to be interactive with you, answer questions, give you direct uh, advice and and, uh, lessons. Uh, This is beginning on Wednesday, February 15th. It's an eight-week series. It'll run through April 5th going to run at four o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock Eastern for two hours. Uh, that's live online training with Mary Baker, the original citizen ninja. And you can register at citizensforfreespeech.org. Just click on the calendar link at the top there for event listings uh, and then find citizen ninja training. Part one, the basics starts on February 15th. You really 
you really want to check this out. You want to be effective as an activist and a defender of free speech. You really want to check this out and learn how to be an effective uh, defender in your community. You will, uh, you will be amazed at what you learn. So you check will. that out at citizensforfreespeech.org. <clears throat> and Patrick, I think that's it for today. That is it for today, Bob. This is a great way to start the year. I hope the year doesn't end this way, but you know, depending on how we as defenders of free speech and the nation of defenders behave ourselves this year and get involved in local policies to make a difference, hopefully the end of the year will be different than the beginning of the year. God willing, God willing. And that's up to us. That's why we're here. That's why we tell you to join Citizens for Free Speech, grow our membership, grow our influence among all of those who are attacking or defending one way or the other, our First Amendment rights. So that's what you need to do. Become a member of Citizens for Free Speech at citizensforfreespeech.org. So that's going to do it for episode one of the new calendar year. Thanks so much for being a part of Stand and Deliver. Uh, Make sure that you share this episode with others who think might enjoy it. And make sure you tune in each and every Friday for our next episode. Uh, I'm Bob Fran. I'm Patrick Wood. We'll see you next week for sure.